This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. The galaxies we hear, Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your co-host, Carrie Borkowski, here with Brianne. Good morning, Brianne. Good morning, Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) So today we thought in season four, if you remember, um, for folks who have been listening, if you haven't been listening, shame on you. Go back to the beginning of this season and and check it out. (laughs) Not shame on you. Just just get caught up. (laughs) Just just get, I know, just get caught up. Um, We are exploring belonging through our relationships. And those relationships could be with your neighbors, with your kids, with your, you know, nieces and nephews, with I don't know, your colleagues, your spouse, your partner, whomever, really. I mean, we know relationships span all sorts of degrees. And so we're just looking at those connections among and between people in this season. We've talked already. It's it's mid-October. And I feel like, Brianne, we've already done a season's worth of interviews. I don't know mm-hmm. if you would agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so... I thought what we would do today or what we thought we would do today is do one of our reflections and sort of think about, you know, what what came up for us, what's bubbling up for us. And I will tell the audience, um, if you've ever listened to our reflection podcast in the past, Brianne and I stopped preparing together for these these reflections because we thought it would be really fun for us to hear and for you to hear with us just sort of what comes up um, and how we sort of weave um, sometimes in good ways, sometimes not so elegant ways, weave, <laughs> weave things together. So, um, you know, I think, Brianna, as I was preparing this morning, I went back to some of the research literature on belonging and was looking at the Good Now article. It's an old one from 93. but And I looked at that because I feel like in our own research, um, that definition comes up a lot. And so just as an anchor point, Um, You know, the most common definition that we see of belonging in the literature is the extent to which students and and oftentimes we won't get into this too much, but oftentimes belonging is is rooted in sort of student belonging, right? Like school belonging, the extent to which students feel personally accepted, respected, um, included and supported is the definition that seems to get cited over and over again. And that was as recent as I don't know if you remember, Brianne, in that other paper we're writing um, that that article, the Allen article, the 2021 mm-hmm. article that has those like, what was it, the integration, like integrated framework for belonging. So, yeah, e- yeah so even they, it, you know, just a year ago, still still seem to think that that good now definition is sort of the prominent one. So extent to which students feel personally accepted, respected um, and included and also supported. So I thought 
you know, given what we're going to talk about, that was just a good, a good place to start. So um, we will, again, we're going to sort of share themes that have come up for us and try to link it and share stories of what we've been learning and hearing from all of our wonderful guests. And as is customary on our podcast, Brianne, I would love to check in with you to see how you and your family is doing, are doing. Thanks. Good morning. Um, we're good. We are super busy in all the good ways, I would say, like lots of fun games. Um, Bridget was just elected secretary of the middle school. So that was fun. Wow. She, yeah. She gave her speech and and won yesterday. So she's very excited. We've been calling her Madam Secretary ever since. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So no, we're, we're doing well. Thanks. How about you? Good, good. I can just see Bridget, I have to say, giving her speech because I feel like that's her. That's one of her many talents is to do that um, oral, um, you know, presentation. So I love that. It's funny that you mentioned that because Colby, our oldest on the way to the bus stop today, was saying that he's going to run for fifth grade representative. Um, All right. So we will see, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I'm so excited you you uh, volunteered and oh, I'm so nervous. I hope you get it right. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Speaking of belonging, right, and feeling like you're supported, um, but yeah, yes. no, everybody's good. It is a crazy rainy day here. It is yeah. blowing and rainy, so if you hear a little wind, hopefully you don't. Um, that's what's going on. It was so beautiful yesterday, and now it's it's not. It's maybe rainy. you have what we had yesterday because maybe it's maybe it's coming up the coast. It was rainy here yesterday, but it's beautiful today. So yeah, potentially, and of course, in it's fall. We're in the midst of the the leaves changing, and I know after this rainstorm, there's going to be a ton on the leaves on the ground. Mm -hmm. so so guess what i'll be doing this weekend <laughs> so it'll so be yeah. nice to be outside for that yeah it will it will for sure so so i don't know brianne i will offer the the space up to you if you wanna i'm so curious and interested like our listeners to hear what what sort of bubbled up for you as sort of we'll call it theme one that, that came okay. up for you so well it's i'm going to talk about two because they sort okay. of connect yeah um my initial thought with themes was authenticity because it's a word that comes up a lot. Mm. And this idea of authenticity for me is, or, or for, and for our guests was really the idea of be, belonging begins with yourself and being authentic to who you really are. That was challenged a little bit as like the fundamental idea of belonging for me by Dr. Jill Snodgrass, because I think her message was belonging doesn't necessarily begin with yourself. Belonging begins with just being mm. so like just because we are here you inherently and innately belong and she her perspective as an ordained minister is one of christianity so mm -hmm. she says you know just because we belong we are all god's children we are all part of this creation mm -hmm. so just your physical existence means that you inherently belong mm -hmm. big picture wise right mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that you feel like you belong in the playground or you feel like you belong with your colleagues, et cetera. But I think that she took us to a different place and mm -hmm. sort of a different level of thought around belonging. And I appreciated that because prior to that conversation, I was really grounded in this. It begins with ourselves. And mm -hmm. she blew that up a little bit to me to say, no, I think it begins with just being like mm -hmm. your existence. So that that was mind-blowing and then from there she went to radical acceptance so I guess my mm -hmm. two big themes are authenticity because I still stick with that one mm -hmm. and that was something that we heard from several people like Jen Watkinson was talking about authenticity she named that word that it's imperative for belonging like it's not fitting in it's being true to yourself to 
to who you really are. It's that feeling of being with your people mm-hmm. that you have that sort of maybe sense of ease where you can just exist and, and you feel accepted and wanted. So there's mm-hmm. that piece. Um, Lisa talked about it as well. And then kind of connecting to that idea of radical acceptance that Jill mentioned. Mm-hmm. I also think that Katie talked about that and Katie was talking about um, belonging in the, in the Accord school where she mm-hmm. works, which is a very small middle school. And I went down a big rabbit hole when I was looking at <laughs> information about this, just to kind of look up her, the reflection. I went to the Accord School website and mm-hmm. their mission statement says the Accord School is a welcoming and caring community that nurtures each student's individual strengths while cultivating a sense of belonging for all. Like it's right there. Mm-hmm. So it's so fundamental to how they operate. And what she says and the, and the way she talked in her interview was that she speaks with such affection for the students at her school. And she's like, we're all different. They're different. We're different. I'm different. Those differences are what make us belong. Mm-hmm. And these are kids who've had so much trouble in more of a typical learning environment, like more of a mainstream school, I guess. Mm-hmm. And at this mm-hmm. school, they're just totally welcomed and appreciated for mm-hmm. for all the differences that they have and that they bring. And she just sees them as strengths and you can feel it in mm-hmm. the way she talks. And that really reminded me of Jill's notion of radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you bring, whatever and and the language that Katie used were things like shaky and wobbly and messy. Like whenever we describe our kids or our environment in that way, it's it's with acceptance. It's never with a critical tone mm. um, or yeah. intent that she speaks. So mm. I felt that um, the authenticity and the radical acceptance were two big takeaways from our guests so far. Yeah. I love how you connected um, Jill's radical acceptance to Katie. Cause I, I think that's what Katie lives. Mm. I really do. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I know, I know we were on zoom when we interviewed her, but I've had, you know, the privilege of being around her in different spaces and you're right. You can just, you can hear it, see it and feel it with her. It's just, and it's something about that, that kind of a person like exuding that for her students. Like I'm sure they feel it too, which is so interesting. Um, I'm trying to decide where to go with my themes because I feel like I could make different connections with different things. Um, I was going to go one way and I think I'll, I'll go another way since I said, see and um hear and feel mm-hmm. and that is and you know where I'm going I know where you're going I love it <laughs> um Mariana talked about um belonging in a new way I mean I think we've we've said it in different ways and this is why I love talking to different people because they articulate ideas and with different words and different phrases and she talked about the five senses of belonging mm-hmm. and like you were saying about Jill and and the the sort of humaneness you know the humanness of belonging you know just the just being I felt like I was blown away (laughs) by this idea of the five senses right because I do think as you already mentioned I mean even Katie um, bringing Katie back into the conversation I remember in our interview she talked about the physicality of belonging right this this literally because what she's you know she's she's teaching and nurturing and cultivating belonging. And she's doing this partly through, um, she teaches a lot of classes around social skills, right? And part of her teachings with social skills is body 
and mm-hmm. sort of how the body can exclude and include. And sometimes we do it on accident. So she spends some time talking. I think she talked about, she talked about do- doors, like your shoulders as a door. She said, use your body as a door. Yeah. Use your body as a door. And she literally on zoom and I'm trying to do it. You can't see me, but like she would help the students and, and by modeling, like turn your body towards the person as if to welcome them. And so I thought, oh my goodness, she's totally like, you know, hearkening back to Mariana, not even realizing it. And I even think Crystal, I know Crystal talked about, um, you know, belonging in your own skin. And mm-hmm. so I feel like there's a, I feel like that's alluding to implicitly these senses. And then you mentioned before Jen, uh, Jen, Dr. Jen Watkinson talking about um, knowing your people, right. That you're, you're with your people. And and I think in our conversations together, we even said, sometimes it's just, you just know it when you see it or you know it when you feel it. And so there were often times where we were, we were engaging our senses in, in some sort of way. I will say the, I put when I was making notes, I put smell and taste because they're part of the senses and I put a question mark. <clears throat> but for me, if we think about belonging, um, you know, in physical spaces or to ourselves, I will tell you as a former athlete, and I think I've shared this with you before, Brianne, and I'd wonder you as a, um, I'm not going to use the right, a rower. Is that the right word? Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that even today, if I walk on a, astroturf hockey field in especially in the summer I feel like I am immediately returned and belong in this space Um, and that has everything to do with the smell of the field and the feeling so I don't know do you feel that like around the water and stuff yeah well you know where I feel it even more regularly and then then when I'm around the water is in the morning because we used to practice in the mornings um like before Mm -hmm. dawn yeah so oftentimes I'll get up to work and it's not just that it's more when I let the dog out. So I'll let the dog out. I'll open the front door. I don't usually go out cause it's cold, but I'll feel that, that air. Mm. And there's a smell of the air at five in the morning <laughs> and just the light or lack of light, you know, just the whole feeling I'm immediately brought back That's to so interesting. that place of yeah. kind of, of, of work and love yeah. and, and everything that was that was a part of that i mean the neuro neurology of the smell piece is so interesting right because it's like very deep in the brain mm-hmm. deeper in the brain than than a lot of the other things that we do all day and it's right next to the memory center and so it's not uh, surprising like that olfaction and memory are so mm-hmm. deeply connected it's, oh, it's kind of so neat actually yeah, yeah i mean I, I think that's true um you know as many people know i talk about my grandmother a bit on this podcast there are things that I can smell that remind me of her or her house or like, um, I don't eat bacon, but my kids love bacon. And when Susan will make bacon in the morning, like on a Saturday, it takes me right back to being at my grandparents' house. Like when my grandfather was getting ready for work and she'd make us bacon sandwiches. Right. Um, so it is, it is interesting. And I think what I, what I learned, you know, connected to the interviews from, from sort of exploring this is that, perhaps these are also strategies that you you could tap into, right? When we're talking about cultivating and creating spaces of belonging, to the extent you get to know your individuals in your community, in your group, in your classes, those could be other ways to tap in, right? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I just think there are other ways to tap into belonging, right? A shared experience around a, a meal, 
um, a smell, um, an experience on a field or in a restaurant or at a family dinner table, right? Like, I just think there are other ways that maybe I hadn't thought about. So I love that that's sort of opened up another avenue for potential strategies. Yeah. And I think you were mentioning taste also. And mm-hmm. she talks about, I mean, Mariana talked about needing to use food as a way of kind of making friends when she was super young and, yes. and, and new to the States because she didn't have the language yet, like literally didn't have English yeah. yet. Yeah. And so she was sharing snacks at her lunch um, as a means of, of connection, which was kind of a literal yeah. interpretation still, there still, of the taste yeah. piece. But it's big. I mean, I think that, you know, certainly people speak of like cultural dishes that bring them back to a certain place. and for me, that's definitely Thanksgiving dinner. And we were joking because Jason is a more adventurous cook than I am. And then my family is. And so Thanksgiving is my favorite meal of the year, hands down. And when he came into our family, we said, um, you are welcome to add dishes to this thing here, but you may not change anything, nor may you take anything away. And he was like, I just feel like we could make it like a little more flavorful maybe because we're pretty straightforward and yeah. bland Thanksgiving oh, so people. Funny. That's awesome. Um, and I think it's, you know, it kind of goes back to that sense of like, no, this is what this meal is for us. Yeah. And there's a lot more yeah. to the meal than just the taste. Yeah. Of, well, of it, it also so. reminds me, Bran, um, I think it was this time last year and I'm, and I, I can't believe I can't remember, but your, your colleague who is at Loyola, who left Loyola and came back. Oh yeah. Astrid. Uh-huh. Yeah. Astrid. If I remember Astrid talking about her family's business, Yeah, the it was like the yeah. luncheonette. And so you know, she talked a lot about how her parents had that as a place for people to come. And so that was, but also centered around, you know, the, both the physical, the taste and the smell of a place. So, um, I definitely think that happens, which is really cool. So, yeah. So I talked about senses as well. That was my third theme, not surprisingly. Right. Yeah. Um, and I loved what Katie was talking about. I have the same notes about using your body as a door. And the other thing that she said that I thought was so neat because her students, I mean, she was very clear about the fact that these are students who have struggled in, I guess, in elementary school, because this is a middle school. So they've struggled in different learning environments. And so it was really important, like inclusion is really important in mm-hmm. at the Accord School, at the school where she works, and, the, and that belonging. And she said that the physical spaces in their school are large enough to accommodate everyone. In other words, if everyone wants to get in the sandbox, it's big enough to do that. Mm. If everyone wants to sit at the lunch table, it's large enough. So they've been so intentional about designing their physical space Mm -hmm. around belonging and inclusion because it's been such a hard struggle for the kids up to now. And so they want not only to teach really explicitly, like, no, when people come up to your table, you move your shoulders and you greet them Mm -hmm. so that they feel welcome. I mean, very, I think, awesome social skills that she's teaching. And also the physical space. They had the luxury of designing, it sounds like, some physical spaces to facilitate belonging too, which was neat. Yeah. Yeah. I when she I've heard her talk about the social skills classes and workshops that she does. And I often think there are lots of adults that would benefit from those those classes. I love that you brought up the the physical space itself, because I think oftentimes we think about, especially if you think about aside from the Accord School, but like if you think about businesses or schools that have opened up, right, they've added new furniture and changed tables. And we often think it's, it's, I feel like the conversation is always often focused on the importance of collaborative learning and creativity and innovation. And I think we forget 
that space is also a way to create belonging. Like, I don't know that I've ever yeah. heard a, heard of people talking about space in that way, right? In, in belonging. I think about my own kids' school, how they've added different kinds of chairs and, you know, bookshelves. And, and, and I say bookshelves because there's also sort of rules that when you're finished with your work, if you want to get up and get a book, you're invited to do so, right? So you're able to, again, just, I feel like this, this season, my reflection on the the podcast so far is I'm learning new ways to strategize um, that perhaps I hadn't leveraged in the past. And so it's been, it's sort of been fun to get out of my old habits and and think about mm-hmm. new habits I can create. Yeah. I think I, I had heard a little bit about the physical space, but sort of in the opposite, from the opposite perspective. So when we were writing about belonging <clears throat> in higher ed during the doctoral program, and I was writing kind of a big paper on that, I remember reading some articles about affinity, like physical affinity spaces. Mm. So in other words, on a, on a, in a predominantly white institution, that there's literally a place, a lounge, a nice area for students of color to gather mm-hmm. because it was really important to have a place where they felt that they belonged and that they could go and hang out and, and have that sense of familiarity and, and belonging, hopefully, mm-hmm. there. Um, so I think that having those designated spaces is important. We also moved, <clears throat> excuse me, recently moved buildings at Loyola at my university. And with that came a lot of intentional design because mm-hmm. they they built, they rebuilt half of the building. And so there was a lot of conversation with architects about the importance of the space and how would the space be used. And there's a lot of shared space on purpose, mm-hmm. space where students can hang out with high top tables and low top tables and couches and really trying to set the stage or set the conditions as we usually say for that, that belonging. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It made me think, um, in a, in a different direction and another theme that came up for me and it's related to obviously what we've been talking about, but, um, you were talking about spaces being open and everybody being invited, A, a word that bubbled up for me across many of our guests, I actually wrote down one, two, three, like four different guests was boundaries. Yes. Um, and I think Boundaries is an interesting one because it connects to the authenticity that you were talking about. I think it connects to this idea of belonging to ourselves that we've been talking about. And I think both Jill and trying to think, oh, Chris Longman. um, It's interesting that it was two reverends, Mm -hmm. (laughs) two ministers that that made me think about this is they talked a lot about boundaries as self-care. And I love that. Yeah. Um, I love that. And it made total sense to me, you know, to think about, and I was just coaching with someone yesterday. Um, and the, the person was saying how, um, and this won't be any surprise to you that people have hard, hard time saying no to things. We say yes a lot. And I think what, what Jill and Chris reminded me of is that like, part of saying no isn't just saying no because it's not something that you're interested in or you don't want to work with them. It's because you're acknowledging that you need to take care of yourself, that you need to set boundaries. And so mm-hmm. I often think, and and Brene Brown talks about this, I think in Dare to Lead quite a bit, right? The boundaries of a, a dare to lead, a daring leader, right? That mm-hmm. that And this is related to your points about authenticity, Brianne, is that bringing your authentic self doesn't mean that you just like, share it all right right 
that right. that there that you sh- that there can be and there should be boundaries both for you um in terms of taking care of yourself and also for your employees because they don't need it well in that context your employees so um i feel like boundaries often gets a bad rap um yeah. that word boundaries like it's exclusionary it's restrictive you're cutting yourself off from the world in some sort of way i just feel like in in most contexts boundaries is something that feels like a barrier that we're trying to cross. And so Mm -hmm. I think these, these episodes have made me reframe and sort of reclaim that word as boundaries are also needed to take care of ourselves because, uh, you know, if you're let, I think Jill was, I can't remember what context Jill was talking about, but like, if you're just letting people walk all over you and dictate what you do, you know, and, and how it gets done, you're not taking care of yourself. And I think it's important. Those are healthy boundaries, right. To have those kinds of boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Jen was talking about, Jen Watkinson was also talking about boundaries. And as you were talking, I was just thinking, um, Brene Brown has a couple episodes on recently just did on dare to lead with Adam Grant and Simon Sinek. So it's the three of them talking mm. and they were talking about the return to work and boundaries came up oh. and the idea of, of what is a boundary and what isn't a boundary. And I like how you were saying that it can feel really restrictive. And I forget if it was Simon Sinek or Adam Grant, they were saying, and well, really the three of them were having a conversation around boundaries are not just what is not okay. Part of boundaries is what is okay. Mm. So I will not work at 11 p.m. on this, but I would love, because we have a big project coming up, to work, uh, you know, I'll pick this up on Sunday afternoon kind of a thing. So it's 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 that you are giving permission for some, whether it's time or conversation topics or whatever the, you know, the, the thing is. In saying no, you're also saying yes. And sometimes we're not as clear about what the yes is. So like, no, I will do this. That That's out of bounds. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so the reframe on that really helped me to think about it as something that's not as so restrictive, but also permissive. Like I would love to have this conversation, Mm. but not, not going to go down kind of that road. So that was Mm. a perspective that I hadn't thought about. And it, it put a spin on it that felt open. Yeah. Felt more open. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I just wrote, I wrote it down so I, I won't forget it. I mean, I think that to me that it's different, but it made me think of things that we've talked about, about like appreciative inquiry and strength space and sort of like the, the positive, like what is available, not just what's missing. If you set this boundary, right. Is what it, what it feels like. Um, right. So I guess Brene Brown, I mean, the language they use in her organization is what is okay and what is not okay. Like yeah. very simple. Yeah. That's very cool. It's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think related to all these themes, I think we're still grappling with, or at least I am, I won't speak for anybody else, grappling with this internal belonging and sort of belonging to self. Um, And, you know, when you were talking about boundaries and what is okay and what's not okay, there's also an assumption that's being made there that, that you have the wherewithal, right? This sort of belonging to self and perception of a situation to set those boundaries, right? To, to think Mm -hmm. going back to true. Going back to Jill, Dr. Snodgrass's point about your, and it made me think of uh, Brene Brown too. Like she, I think Brene describes like when you wake up in the morning or when you go to bed at night, regardless of what's on your to-do list and what you've accomplished, you're enough. 
And it feels similar to what Jill is talking about, right? You're enough, yes. you're, you're being because you're here. And so mm-hmm. the, your ability to set those boundaries and articulate what is and is not okay to me is directly related to how you're feeling about that other thing, right? Like, how do you feel when you wake up? And so it just, I, I don't have an answer. I don't have a, a, a sort of a thread there. It's just something that I, it's just something that I've been processing like for several weeks, trying to sort of make sense of it. Yeah. I think Mary talked a little bit about that when Mm -hmm. she was saying that belonging is an inside job and she said, it's so easy to go to self-criticism. Yeah. And, you know, she said for her, she might say like, you know, I'm too smart or too deep or too dramatic for, I think it was, she was talking about her family context when she was younger. Mm. And you just, you can see that, that that's the easier way and sort of maybe a more natural way to go. And so this is not easy. We talked with Jill about something being simple, but not easy, right? So mm-hmm. something can be simple, but very hard Yes. yes. because, you know, in many ways, what's more fundamental and simple than what Jill said is like, you belong because you are here Yeah. and you're present and you're a person on this earth, which is a, you know, creation. Yeah. That is a lovely thought. Yep. <laughs> and I think it's, I actually believe in my heart that it is true how to act on that is, is much harder to me. So this, you know, yeah, I love that sort of juxtaposition between simple and easy and also profoundly hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, something else I was reading this morning was belongingness as a trait versus a state. Mm. Oh yeah. Let's get into that. Yeah. Right. And so state is very situational contextual. So, uh, when you said you believe, you know, that just being is, is, you know, makes you belong and, and feel that sense. Like from when I was think when I was listening to you, I was thinking that that for me personally, internally, that moderates, right. Depending on where I am. Right. I can really be, it can fluctuate. The state of my sense of belongingness can change depending on sort of who's around me. So I think to Absolutely. tie in, not to, not to name drop again, <laughs> but like, it takes me back to Maya Angelou, who I wish if I could have a conversation with anyone, I think I'd want to have a conversation with her and know her secret sauce for like, cause I know from just from hearing her interviewed and stories, like, I mean, she's a, a black woman in American society. So like, we know that she felt oppression. I'm not speaking for her, but I can only imagine that she felt oppression and racism and, and yet she can write words and say things like, you know, true belonging is belonging to self. And so it just, my, the questions that are rolling around in my head are how do we get there ourselves and how do we as parents, educators, friends, facilitators support and scaffold others to get to that place, right? I just, those are the things I've been thinking about. And it made me, the other theme that I wrote down um, it's, um, Mariana's ears might be ringing this morning is she <laughs> said, um, we measure what we care about. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And for me, I love that. I mean, as an educator, I love that. And I was like, Ooh, awesome. I'm aligned because I met, I often measure for checking in with students to see how they are. Like I, of course I'm measuring how they're doing in the class, of course. But for me, right. And my students, it takes them a while to to buy into it. But like for me, that's less important. Like I'm always interested in how's the class going? How was that like? What was your experience? What can I do better? And so 
that made me feel good to feel like what I care about. Um, I do think for our listeners, the reason one of the reasons I bring it up is because I think as a if I was showing up coach like for a second, this is a great thing to be thinking about if you're doing your own work, right? So if you think about if you ask yourself, what's important to me? What are my priorities? Right. And and you can think about like, I mean, a really easy example is think about work. Like, what is it that you love about work? What's important to you about the work that you do? Right. And write those things down. And then ask yourself this other question that Mariana raises is, well, what are you measuring to sort of, you know, evaluate yourself? Because we're always comparing. Come on, look, we we all compare. Right. And so if you're able to articulate what you think is important to you, do your measures align, right? Because I think that can help sort of help you think about how are you, if you have these priorities, are you a living a life that honors those priorities or are you getting yourself worried and upset about measures that at the end of the day in a quiet space don't matter to you? And I think that's partly the work of belonging to self is what was coming up for me. Yeah. It was same. I mean, yes. And I loved, I loved how she said that. And I wrote that down as well. <laughs> we measure what we care about. I mean, I think it's cool from a research standpoint too. Like, what are you choosing to to research? <laughs> and yeah, you know, for the longest time, it took me a while to go back to school to get my doctorate. And a lot of that was because I couldn't think of what I loved enough mm. to want to dedicate that much time to measuring, so to speak. Although I didn't, I wouldn't have used that word Yeah, at the time. And then when it came, you know, sort of evolved into this idea of like, oh, I can measure students and their well-being and something related to the connections and teaching and because that's what I love the most. I never knew that, that that was something I could do. I thought that I would have had to measure something more concrete and objective, like swallowing in patients with Parkinson's or mm-hmm. something like that, that was very yeah. clinically based, which to me is like academically very interesting. And I like learning about that and teaching about that. But the thing that I love the most is, is this stuff that we talk about and it's the connection and learning about students and with students so that we can then together discover something and kind of being with them in that. So Mm. I really appreciated Mariana saying that we measure what we care about. So, so that's cool. Right. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny that you said that because the other thing I wrote down was my own research and I wrote quantitative with an arrow to qualitative. Oh yeah. Right. Cause like, yeah. I mean, my PhD was all quantitative and, and, and like you with the, um, you know, with your clinical work, it's not that I didn't like it. I mean, I was interested in the questions I was asking and I loved learning the techniques, but like, I didn't do a lot of writing in that space. My heart wasn't in it. And then when mm-hmm. I went back and got the ED and started learning about qualitative and really was able to better articulate this interest in identity and belonging and like, this is where we want to spend our time. Right. So now I feel like I am measuring, right. Like what I care about, which is, it's so funny that we both thought of that. Like that is from a, We never talked about that. Yeah. A, no, yeah. we didn't at all. Like from our research, <laughs> from our sort of own evolution and research. So it's kind of cool. Mm, yeah. Did you have any other themes that popped up? I feel like we had some similarities and then no, that, that was, was it my last theme. one. Yeah. That was my, that was, those were my themes. I yeah. did have one kind of mic drop quote that I wanted to share before yeah, we close up though. Please um, do. Something that Katie had said, we were talking about belonging and she said, we are whole when you are here. Mm. And she talks about 
her students and when they're absent, you know, that's kind of the message that she shares when they come back. Mm. And I just loved that. I just loved it. Like kind of framing belonging in that we're, we're missing something when you're not here, mm. you know, and that you are part of, of the whole. So mm. I love that. Mm. Mm. I love, I love that statement for lots of reasons. And I hadn't, I mean, I'm literally like processing out loud, which is partly what we like about this episode is like, it absolutely resonates in her space, right? Cause it's a community of kids and it also resonates at like Jill's context of like, we're whole when you're here, right? Everybody. Right. And it means mm -hmm. every single person, talent, diversity. So it's interesting how that very specific message to a group of students resonates out. Um, yeah. And it's such a good reminder that like, that's how we should be viewed. That should be our worldview, right? That you're whole when, when you're here. So we're whole when you're yeah. here. Mm. Well, I think that is a really good way to end this episode. <laughs> and if, if some of those names, Dr. Snodgrass, Dr. Watkinson, Chris Longman, Mary Beaulieu, Katie Boucher, um, Crystal, if if those names aren't familiar to you listening to this reflection, then go back and find that episode and listen to that episode um, if you have some time. So thank you all for listening to our reflection. Um, hopefully we'll do maybe we'll do another one after we do a, a few more interviews. We have some great ones coming up, too. I'm really excited about the next few interviews. So thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of Tell Me This with Brianne Roos and Carrie Bukowski. Be well, everybody. Thanks. So Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.